0: What are you going to do, Commissioner? There's only one thing we can do. Sir, it's the Bat phone. Yes, Commissioner. Batman, We'll be right there.
1: Biff Bam Pal. This is Batman Land. Be careful. Maybe a trap. Each week we chat about the 1966 Batman TV show.
0: We're Batman and Robin, the crime fighters.
1: We discuss the episodes to air this week on SBS Vice Land. My name is Dan Barrett. I'm an editor here at SBS. And I'm joined here on this very special Batman Land by a colleague of mine at SBS. She's the woman with no name. Her name's Fiona Williams. We need to work that branding through. Smooth. Nice. Yeah, terrible. Um, and also we've got here a city slicker, Filmic Editor, Travis Johnson. Giddy up. Yeah, City Slippers. Like, was the only Western that came to mind. Uh, Jack Palance, <laughs> yeah. who was in Shane. Which has a bit of a tie into this episode. Shane. Oh. Right? because
2: we're talking about the uh, the Batman episode that Logan ripped off. <laughs> <laughs> the first dark superhero story to reference the classic movie Shane, the, the Western with Alan Ladd. Except mm. in Batman, it's called Shame. Uh, it's a two-parter from 67, the second season of the 66 Batman
1: now, I have this very strong recollection of this double of from being a kid watching this, because every time Channel 10 reached these episodes on the rotation, because it was on every afternoon, mm-hmm. I watched these episodes, and I used to just bristle at watching these episodes. <laughs> I remember hating these episodes. Like, they were the only ones that stood out as episodes I just refused to watch, because they're just terrible episodes. <laughs> so, I was interested to sit down and watch it as an adult, and wonder if I was completely off base, or if there was something going on. And And? I have to say, if I was watching on Channel 10 every afternoon from now on, I'd probably give these ones a miss.
2: (laughs) Really? I I dug it. I thought it was a lot of fun. I mean, there's flaws here. One of the big ones is that it's not a name villain. Okay, So it's not the Penguin. It's not the Joker. It's not Catwoman. It's not even Egghead. It's a cowboy-themed robber, Shame, Mm. uh, played by Cliff Robertson. Which kind of blew my mind, Cliff Robertson, Uncle Ben from the Raimi Spider Man <laughs> movies. Which
1: is sadly, well, embarrassing to admit. That's the only way I really know Cliff Robertson.
0: It's okay that yeah, he's in he's in the three movies, so yeah, I yeah. think it's it's fair enough. And we're talking about a superhero series here, so no shame. He has no. an esteemed history, though. Yeah, like well, it's
1: four kind
2: of years. Embarrassing. Four years prior to this, he played Kennedy. He played JFK in PT 109. He was actually Jack Kennedy's personal pick to play him in the movie, which didn't perform too well. Mm. And a year after appearing in Batman, and I love this, he won the Academy Award. He got Best Actor for his performance in Charlie, which is a a big screen adaptation of the sci-fi story Flowers for Algernon.
1: Which is kind of a little bit weird because usually Batman is where actors' careers go to die
2: rather than yeah. the, Exactly. Yeah. No,
0: but here on the strength of shame
2: Yeah <laughs> he got Obviously, noticed, shame got him that role. Got in the role, Clearly. got in the Oscar.
1: Yeah.
0: And then he played the president again in
1: Escape from LA. Yes, yes he did. Yeah. Yes, he did. yes he did. I've seen Escape from LA. Oh there we go. So there ding we ding. Go. Yeah. <laughs> now I should say we've actually got a bit of a unique Batman here where because the episode is so heavily rooted in this one film called Shane, which I don't know if people have seen or not, it's a very well-regarded western movie. Is it ever? Yeah. yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, Professor
1: for, X really likes it. <laughs> he really did. And because we're going to talk about that to a certain degree, I wanted to bring in Travis because you're a film guy. I am. And Fiona, you're a resident film lady. Indeed, I am. Yeah. So we've got some groundies here. You guys know what he's talking about. So this—that's dun- a long bow to draw, yeah. but let's see how well, we go. Comparative to me, the dunderhead in this conversation. So anyway, we're gonna barrel forth. We're talking about two episodes from Batman here. There's Comeback Shame, which aired on the 30th of November 1966, and it's how you play the game on the first of December 1966 is when that one aired. But Fiona, yes. I never remember what's gone on in Batman this week. Please run us through it. All
0: right, settle in, because this is gonna be a long one, but or should I say saddle up. Today's varmint slash villain is the misguided cowboy named Shame. Shame on you, shame. A sharpshooter and a rev-head who steals prestige car parts one piece at a time. Why
1: would anyone just steal bits and pieces of cars?
0: As part of a grand scheme to build the ultimate hot rod that can outrun the Batmobile. Make that there Batmobile look like a turtle with arthritis. Not sure exactly how this makes him a cowboy, but just go with it. All right, amigos, let's go. He hangs out at an old movie lot in its wild west frontier town saloon with his posse, Oki
1: Shame, honey. It ain't so much the car, it's the fellas what drive it.
0: Messi James.
1: I'm gonna pour me three fingers
0: this here tassel varnish. And rips Snorting. We ain't got a chance against the dynamic duo. A precocious kid shows up and over milks the references to the movie Shane and gives the first episode its title. Come back, yeah.
1: Oh, God. And does he ever
2: over uh, That kid. kid.
0: Anyway, not finished. <laughs> bit more to go. Bruce Wayne anticipates where Shame will get his next car parts from with the help of a local DJ and car nut, Hot Rod Harry.
2: Hot Rod Harry, your musical maestro.
0: And plants his own limo as bait, causing Okey Annie to trick them into an ambush when she spots them buying lingerie for Aunt Harriet.
1: A full slip, size 38, white and washable.
0: Which is glossed over, but probably deserves an establishing scene back at Stately Wayne Manor.
1: Stately Wayne Manor.
0: But anyway, never mind. Having anticipated the ambush, Bruce summons the Bat Bikes and the Alf Cycle. There you are, Alfred. The Alf Cycle. Thank you, sir. And in broad daylight, they scoop back to the Bat Cave in their cities. Batman and Robin track down Shame, but end up pinned to the ground and facing a cattle stampede in the cliffhanger, because apparently Gotham City has enough cattle for a stampede. But with some nifty wriggling and by using his cape like a matador, they're free. Holy Batman! They see the precocious kid again. Shame! And he does his thing again, and it's getting a little bit old. Next scene takes place in a used car lot, because who else can you trust for the used car salesman to help you bring down a criminal con? And we find out the plan is to steal some prized Black Angus cattle. Worth 300,000 bucks each. Eventually, we wind up back at the movie lot for a shootout. Robin cops a bullet in the foot, but heals immediately. Holy bat logic. Let's go. And then flash forward to another shootout, in which Batman counts bullets and waits for the baddies to run out of ammo. At which point, the chief and O'Hara show up, no rush, and cuff the gang. Come on, into the way. Um, for an episode that features a villain called Shame, it's ironic that this week's episodes have none whatsoever.
2: What do we think, fellas? <laughs> no, 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 Pretty bereft of Shame, but uh, I I really enjoyed it. Like it's got all the craziness that I enjoy in the '66 Batman. Okay, mm-hmm. it's got a really convoluted plot, some really on the nose cultural references. <laughs> um, Werner Klemperer turns up. Yeah. Yeah. Colonel Clink from Hogan's Heroes sticks his head out the window when they're climbing up the bat rope. I thought that was fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Let's break that one down a Yeah, this here. one needs
1: to be unpacked a little bit. Now, obviously, Colonel Clink, and it's established they seem to have, like, a pre-existing relationship. Yeah, that's a bit odd. Mm. Okay. Batman definitely knew who he was. Clink uh, is obviously out of the World War II get-up by this mm. point. Okay. So, we're obviously in 1966. Mm. Okay. Time has gone on since the war. 20 years.
2: Clearly. Yeah. Colonel Klink defected under Operation Paperclip Hmm. when they were getting Nazi scientists out of Germany before the Russians could get their hands on them to put them to work on the space program, okay? So Klink pretended to be a scientist, got repatriated to the US, and then, you know, gave him the slip, and now he's hanging out in Gotham.
1: With Nazi science, which has kept him looking pretty youthful for that 20 years. Absolutely. He's a
2: well-preserved (laughs) goose-stepper.
0: Batman knows his identity, and he's okay with it. Uh, He'd be an
2: informant. So, like, he's, like, feeding info to Batman so Batman can take down, like, Nazi war criminals, kind of like Magneto in X-Men First Class. Okay. But without actually killing them because Batman. So, there we go. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) Can't argue that. I don't like a
0: dallying tongue.
1: I'm a little bit concerned. So I mean, obviously he's defected, so that's okay, but Batman has such a strong moral code that even though this man's working with the American government, you'd still kind of think that he'd be a little bit more hesitant, I guess, to have such a open relationship
2: with him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, Nazis are the guys who are pretty sort of Unremittently and unrepentantly evil uh, that you can feel good about wasting so or punching if you're out there people yeah. Yeah. um so yeah it's a little odd that batman would be so chummy with someone who ran a, a prisoner of war camp in nazi germany that's think yeah so. that's odd
1: well 2018 i'm thinking these days our relationship with nazis is a little bit more welcoming than i had been in the past <sighs> speak talking, for yourself dan talking broadly definitely not me but, I mean, Batman, surely he would maintain that strong moral code that even in 2018 he would not be pro-Nazi in any way. It breaks of cross-network promo to me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just to wrap this one up and make it us moving along. Just as a side point, uh, Werner Klemperer, who played Colonel Klink, mm-hmm. he only played Colonel Klink in three different productions. There was Hogan's Heroes, a little show called Batman, and also The Simpsons. Oh, yeah, uh, that's right. <gasps> yeah Colonel Did you ever get my letters? I'm not actually Colonel Klink. I'm just assuming his form. (laughs) Did you know Hogan
0: had tunnels all over your camp?
1: (laughs) Homer! Okay, right at the beginning, we're introduced to the Gotham City 100. Apparently, it's 400,000 people, Gothamites, all enjoying a trip to the Gotham Speedway. We see a race car driver named Grimaldi Smith, and I wanted to maybe point out this guy. Uh, He was actually a guy played by Roy Gleason, and he's a Major League uh, Baseball player. So you often find in a Batman show, there's lots of little cameos of people that make no relevance, like no sense anymore. He's one of these guys. And he's interesting because he actually has not only a 1963 World Series ring, but he's also got a purple heart because he's the only American baseballer who got drafts and went to war Mm. and was injured while he was over there. Oh, far out. Yeah.
0: And he's in Batman.
1: And he's in Batman. Which is now what he's best known for. (laughs) Exactly.
2: Because we just, that's what, that's the only reason we're talking (laughs) about him. So, uh, well done.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cut to Bruce and Dick playing with slot cars. And it seemed like a far off technology at this point with the two of them.
2: Yeah. It had Aunt Harriet a bit uh, swamped, didn't it? Mm-hmm. It's just weird to see Batman and Robin in their in their downtime having fun, you know? It's like, because our, our modern conception of Batman is dark and brooding and gurr, and this is, of course, the 66 Batman. You know, the closest analogue these days would be like the Brave and the Bold cartoon where they kind of silver-aged it up a bit. But yeah, it's kind of odd to see Bruce and Dick just there playing with slot cards. That's, it's jarring. <laughs>
1: yeah, and every week they're pretty much doing some sort of activity at the beginning. So occasionally it might be a sports thing. So I remember fencing at one point, Uh, But most of the time, it's educational pursuits for Dick. So it's lots of learning of Latin and, you know, geography and this kind of thing. Mm. But yeah, it's pretty right to see entertainment.
0: Makes no difference if you win or lose. It's how you play the game. It's interesting
2: that the episode really sets up a a dichotomy between superheroes and cowboys as role models. Because it's sort of a battle. It's kind of like a platoon. It's a battle for the little kid's soul, this annoying (laughs) little kid who is fascinated with, with cowboys and outlaws and wants to be like shame. And sort of Batman comes in and becomes a better role model for him. And you can kind of look at that as sort of a representative of how the culture was shifting at the time. Because Westerns had just had a bit of a resurgence because this is 1966. So that's the year The Good, the Bad and the Ugly came out. And the previous two films in the Dollars trilogy had come out each like 64 and 65. So you've got the Italians coming in making Westerns again, but they're really dark and kind of morally ambiguous. And you've got clinics with just, you know, wasting dudes. It's not really the sort of black hat, white hat thing anymore, but Batman represents this very kind of pure idea for kids at the time, even though it was campy as hell of heroism and civic duty. And Batman even says to the kid at the end, like, you know, You want to be a hero, learn to be a good citizen or something to that effect. I'm paraphrasing. So I found that thematically interesting. It's kind of like steering kids away from the the menace of Clint Eastwood. Yeah. And Sergio Leone and towards the more sort of morally upstanding vision of heroism, which is the Adam West Batman.
1: Yeah. And And I find it interesting that you mentioned that because there's a few things going on with the Western versus superheroes dynamic. Or if you think about Batman as a character, because Batman obviously comes from the comic books. And the Batman TV series comes at a really interesting time for comics where superheroes were kind of becoming the thing again. Mm. Because what had previously happened is you had superheroes really big in the 20s through to the like mid-40s. Mm. Then just after the war, people stopped buying comic books that were superhero-orientated, started buying lots of Western comic books. And that's obviously mirroring the films of the time. And so, you know, obviously films are really big with Westerns. The comics really reflected that. And then just as the Batman show was coming around, superheroes started to get that shot in the arm. So it's kind of just interesting seeing the way and come through as this major force in this episode because it's right as that shift's actually happening away from the... Western. So it's almost like this episode's rejecting the idea of the Western in favor of the superheroes.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Because like the 60s is when the Silver Age came along. Like first mm. of all, when uh, I think it was Carmen Infantino did the, the Silver Age Flash, Barry Allen. Yeah, followed by Green Lantern very Green, shortly yeah, after. Green Lantern got revamped. And you know, Batman never quite got revamped, but sort of rose to prominence again Then we get the TV series. Well, actually, so yeah.
1: It actually did have a mild revamp because essentially through the 50s, the Batman of the comics, and he was one of the few superheroes left... All the comics there were about sort of space adventures mm. and taking Batman in weird, off far directions. But just before the TV show had come around, I think about a year prior, what they'd done is uh, reconstituted Batman as being a crime fighter, just running around Gotham City doing stuff. So he was a bit lighter and brighter than he had been previously, mm. and it was off those comics they more or less modelled the template for this show.
2: Oh, for sure, but they never put a, like a new face under the mask. You oh, know, no. They didn't go from like Jay. It's like how the Flash used to be Jay Garrick, and then he became Barry Allen, and Green Lantern was like Alan Scott, and then Hal Jordan. But Batman's always Bruce Wayne
1: one of the other things with this being a western themed episode is this is obviously an effort to try to make use of the backlots at warner brothers yeah for sure so i don't know if this is a warner brothers backlot or if it's actually on the fox backlot i can't remember where the western sets were all constructed but it's kind of fun to see them actually using these old western sets where i don't i don't know westerns really that well as a genre but did you guys recognize many of the sets from other films
0: I'm embarrassed to admit it struck me as maybe the Brady Bunch episode when they get locked in the jail. The Gold Rush I thought was the, you know that one with uh, when they go to the Grand Canyon and yeah, 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 yeah. that seemed quite familiar to me. There, yeah, I mean,
1: it probably is the same set. Yeah. Yeah, I went straight to TV as certainly. a reference. Almost yeah. certainly, yeah. Yeah. but so many movies that people have watched, I'm sure, are using these exact same sets. Like I did a set visit. I've mentioned this on Batman Landing Here we times go. About. <laughs> But like I find that my perception of a lot of movies and TV shows has changed dramatically because I actually see the sets now and I know that they're reusing the same street and that they've dressed them up in very specific ways. So once you actually see them and know how they sort of operate as like this little mini city, Mm. it really changes your perception. But I guarantee you sit back and watch a whole bunch of old Westerns, you're gonna see that same street reconfigured in different sort of Yeah, totally. Absolutely. uh,
2: But uh, Batman's got a a bit of Western history um, in that in the animated series, they crossed over Batman with Jonah Hex, the great DC Western hero, Mm -hmm. uh, in an episode which was written by the crime and horror novelist Joe R. Lansdale, who I'm a massive fan of. He did the Happen Leonard stories, which the TV series is based off of, if you know that. I do. Uh, He did uh, Cold in July. We had that uh, movie a couple years ago. That was really rad. And he's a, a really good pulpy fit for this kind of thing.
0: We should obviously mention the Shane connection and ding well, ding yes. do the bingo
1: list of
0: references. Oh,
1: okay. <laughs> well, should we start with a kid?
0: If we have to, yes. <laughs> Eric Shea is Andy in this one and obviously is a reference to Joey in in the 1953 classic Shane. Shane is played by Alan Ladd, the hero who rides into town and tries to deny his killer instincts, um, trying to live a a quiet life by passing town to town, but happens upon a bit of a land war between some frontier farmers in Alabama Mm -hmm. um, and draws himself into this dispute with the family and some rough nuts in town and becomes a bit of a hero to little Joey. Little Joey who learns to shoot yep. by Shane um, but, you know, gets told a man and needs one gun if you know how to use it right. That's a terrible paraphrase of the dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> the beautiful dialogue of Shane and me muffling. Yeah. You mentioned Logan is, is heavily influenced yeah, by uh, it as well. Yeah, like,
2: like Shane runs all the way through Logan. The other sort of big thematic reference which runs through Logan and Through these episodes of Batman, weirdly, uh, is you know Shane rides off at the end because he can't stay in civilization because that's the classic sort of Western hero trope. It's like you know you can defend civilization, but you can't be a part of it. You have to ride off. And at the end, the kid wants him to come back, so he's calling out, "Come back, Shane!" Pleading with him, pleading with him. And little Andy in Batman says, (laughs) "Come back, Shane!" About a thousand times about About his radio because he wants his radio back. It's not
0: exactly the same.
2: But there's Next another story. there's another Batman connection in in Shane uh because the bad guy in Shane is played by Jack Palance Jack Polence and he is of course the crime boss of Gotham in the 89 Tim Burton Batman There you go so There you go Time is a flat circle. <laughs> it
0: really is. And
2: um, and there's I, a co- I, of course, know him from the movie City Slickers. Oh,
1: of course. Yeah. Well, Which is another Western connection. Yeah. <laughs> and a connection. It's the beginning of this very episode. Yes.
0: And there's more Shane in Shame um, with the big bar brawl. and oh, yes. um, Yeah, because in Shane they, they, there's no guns in the town until there are, <laughs> thanks to Shane and bad guy Jack Palance. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we've, we've got some epic bar brawls in Shame in the movie lot, and also then we have multiple shootouts uh, coming down the track. So there's a few references, um, Flying Thick and Fast in The Old Shame.
1: Yeah, even mm. the casting of The Annoying Kid is a reference because there was a Shane TV series which aired about a year before the Batman TV series had kicked off, and the kid actor's older brother had played the young boy in the TV show. And, yeah. Far out. Yeah.
0: Down the rabbit hole we go. <laughs> um, and speaking of the little tyke who played. Andy in mm. shame. Um that's Eric Shea, who I know from the Poseidon Adventure, which is a bit of a guilty pleasure of mine as Oh, don't be guilty about that. I love that <laughs> it's film. It's great, isn't it? That film is
1: awesome. Yeah, yeah, who's guilty about that?
0: Yeah, I know. Um, as Robin, little little Robin, who's on the on the ship with his sister and wants to go and meet their parents in Greece, but calamity ensues. Yes.
2: And there was a remake called Poseidon, which starred Kurt Russell, who was in Tango and Cash, where the bad guy was played by Jack Jack Palance. Palance.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Who was also in Escape from LA, where Cliff played the uh, president. There we go. So it is all happening.
2: It's all happening. In order to play, this is a Spider-Man thing, not a Batman thing, but in order to play Uncle Ben, you must have played JFK at some point. I figured that out. Because Martin Sheen is Uncle Ben in the the truncated uh, Amazing Spider-Man movies, and he played JFK. And of course, Cliff Robertson played JFK in PT109, and he's played Uncle Ben. So basically, you need that sort of new idealism, Camelot, moral center to be Uncle Ben in Spider-Man.
0: Shame? (laughs) Which shame is that? A conniving cowboy of crime. Oh, that's shame. (laughs) Sorry, I can't help you.
1: So the scene that really stood out to me, we go lingerie shopping in one scene. Bruce and Dick are very uncomfortable about it. And right. so is the audience. And so is the yeah. audience. Okay, first of all, there's no scene that establishes what they're doing—going lingerie shopping, right? I didn't. They mention
0: that they should, Aunt Harriet gave them a shopping list, and then they look at it and oh wait, so. <laughs> Yeah, they're not details orientated when they're not Batman and Robin. Also,
1: Aunt Harriet's Uh, always struck me. eggs,
2: G-string. Full full slip.
1: (laughs) But she's always struck me as such a particular lady where I can't imagine she'd want her nephew or the older man that lives with her nephew in the house to go and go laundry shopping for her. I know. It's
0: a little peek behind the
1: curtain at Aunt Harriet. It's a bit weird. It's a bit weird. Yeah. I felt very uncomfortable about the whole situation. Not as uncomfortable as they did. But, I mean, you'd imagine Bruce is supposed to be a eligible bachelor around a place. Like, surely he wouldn't be that embarrassed going shopping for lingerie. I mean, I think to myself... I think asking for Aunt Harriet's size
2: at the store might give him pause. That might be it?
1: Yeah. Nah. I don't know, because I look to, like, Bruce Wayne in the same way I would Don Draper. And I think, would Don Draper be embarrassed about this? No, therefore, Bruce Wayne should also be fine. Yeah, that's fair enough. Okay.
0: But his young charge, Dick Grayson, is in tow, so, you know, he's yeah. got to be the upstanding...
1: Influence.
2: Exactly. What sort of lingerie?
1: Well, it's, um, I, I think one would uh, how would you say it, Dick? Uh, oh, it's like it's...
0: Uh, he wants a full slip,
1: size 38, white, washable. Oh, merci, madame. Yes. My biggest concern with the Oki Annie when she comes wandering into the next scene is that she walks into the lingerie shops and she seems to be carrying like a rifle with her. Fair point, Wait, yes. Is that acceptable around Gotham City? Open carry. Well, evidently. And you also consider the fact that at one stage, Batman points out that Shane would be only likely to travel around at nighttime because of the strange get-up that he wears, <laughs> 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 which I thought was fantastic. But you've got people wandering around with firearms all day. Like, Gotham City seems like a pretty open place. I think a bit of costuming is not necessarily... Big issue.
0: Yeah. And on the subject of crime, at the start, when Shame starts taking um, car parts to, to build his massive car that's going to beat the uh, Batmobile, three car thefts has the
1: police calling the Batphone. That
2: yeah, that that seems like they're, they're overreacting just outsourcing a bit. their jobs at yeah. this point, aren't they? No,
1: no, no, no. They point out that they were perfectly happy to look after the car like thefts on their own, but it was the silver, uh, platinum bullet that was left behind, which is the calling card, as we all know, of the greatly feared shame.
0: Shame has come back to taunt us with his western wiliness. <laughs> What a frightening felony, rustling the most expensive automobile in racing. Uh
1: Uh-huh. Okay, and that's what triggered them to think that they need to call in a Kate Crusader.
0: Which Mm. turns into a massive red herring anyway. The platinum bullet is really just a regular bullet coated, And a nice little gag there with Batman. He says he'll take it away to the (laughs) Bat-analyzer to get checked and
2: basically just chomps on it and realises the coating. I did like that that cop could recognise platinum by sight. That (laughs) that was impressive because I can't. I got no idea.
1: (laughs) Uh, speaking of bullets, I really like there's the shootout right at the end, and everything goes like dark and dusty because you know we're in the west and all that happens. Uh, and they counting the bullets. Yeah, and he's like, was that fifty three bullets or fifty four?
0: But he can't count to fifty four. He has to check with Robin. to, yeah. uh, what's nine times, whatever?
1: <laughs> well, he probably can, but it's part of the ongoing education of Robin.
0: Mm. They're out of bullets. Now we'll see if you guys are as brave without guns for protection. On the subject of bullets, Robin gets shot in the foot.
2: Yeah, what kind of technology is Batman packing when he can basically heal a bullet wound in, like, less than, what, 24 hours? Like, it's, it's same-day treatment, right? Yeah. Like Robin is fine.
1: He it's, is fine. Yeah, he's skipping on his feet right at the end. Yeah. Mm.
0: Eagle-eared Batman Land listeners. A couple of episodes ago, it was revealed that they had bulletproof shoes
2: continuity error mm.
0: so what gives new shoes for season two clearly <laughs> in the penguin turns straight wait no he ain't episodes
1: back. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a very good recall thank you talking to you is
0: like
2: talking pig Latin to a donkey
0: What's the chili and avocado thing? The chili and avocado clues? The little Uh, trace elements on the steering wheel? It's
2: just there so Robin can say holy guacamole. That's the (laughs) only reason that exists. And for that, we're eternally grateful. (laughs) That, That was pretty good.
1: But what restaurant serves the best chili and avocado dip in Gotham City?
2: Holy guacamole! The Adobe hacienda motel and eats on
0: the
1: inbound state highway. Let's go. Now Fiona was watching this next to me at work earlier today, and I didn't understand what was going on with laughing Leo's used cars. And there's an old lady in it. And at first, I thought maybe it was Grandma from or Granny from the Beverly, Beverly Hillbillies. Beverly yeah. But it's not her. Well, what was the deal? Well,
0: because she's a little old lady, and she says she's from Pasadena and placed it in the in the '60s. And it's a
2: little old lady from
0: Pasadena. H Boys
1: reference. Oh, of course. The little old
0: lady
1: from I think the standout moment for me in the episode is the bullfighting sequence. Batman takes off his cape
2: and he's <laughs> acting like a matador. And you know moves they play the- it
0: mm. out. That's
2: they- <laughs> pretty great, and I, I like that as a death trap. I like being, like the whole being staked out in front of a cattle stampede. And I was like, that's cool, and that that's different. That that's on theme. That's yeah, I dug that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and something else that's different. You got the fight right at the end where they're fighting on the western lot you don't see those fight scenes take place in the outdoors. Usually they're very controlled indoor fight scenes. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of cool to actually see them making use of an outdoor set, and it is a Western set, so it's obviously being configured for, you know, fight scenes and that kind of thing as well. So it was kind of, I'm sure, a safe environment to do it, but it was fun to see it on the outside. And there was some cool camera shots coming from the inside of the horse pens and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. on Batman Land when we've got a new guest and we like to talk about their experience with Batman. So, Travis,
2: who's your Batman? Uh, my Batman would be the... It's a toss-up between sort of Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns Batman. Okay, so um, comic book Batman. Comic book Batman. Or possibly the the Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams Batman from the from the 70s, which uh, was sort of my first comic book experience of Batman. I mean, my, my first sort of on-screen experience is the 66 TV series because I was yeah. born in 76. It was on TV all the time when I was growing up, so that was my first Batman. But reading comics... There used to be a publisher in Australia called Murray Comics, and all they did was repackage and reprint American comics for the Australian market in black and white. So, you get like 80-page giants packed with just a grab bag of stories, just really weird stuff.
1: Yeah. I, I remember growing up and finding some comics in my uncle's like bedroom when he was a kid. And because I did some time traveling. No, no, they were still just around. Yeah. Um, And I opened this cupboard and found like all these black and white reprints. And there's lots of World's Finest and that kind of thing going on.
2: Yeah. And also obscure heroes as well. Like Airwave was in one I read. And, you know, like a lot of Teen Titans for some reason. I don't know why. So what was the deal with Mario? Like how long were they still publishing? I have no idea. They're a bit obscure. I did some digging a couple years ago. And, yeah, no one's really done sort of a a history on them. Like they, they, they haven't left a big footprint except in the minds of like nerds like me who grew up in country towns and that was how we got comics. Uh, But yeah, one of the early ones I read uh, and I later found out that this was the story when they made the Joker scary again. Uh, Mm -hmm. It was one by writer Denny O'Neill and artist Neil Adams called The Joker's Five-Way Revenge and it took the Joker and stopped him from being sort of a, a buffoonish sort of Cesar Romero type character and made him a really scary terrifying sort of criminal mastermind who was like feeding dudes to sharks and coming up with these really convoluted plans and the artwork was really kind of gothic and scary and beautiful and uh and this would have been from the mid 70s yeah this would this would be mid 70s yeah. and like, reading as a kid I didn't understand the, the the historical importance of that comic and then later on like reading about Batman the history of the character and how he's been reconfigured over the years like that gets singled out as, oh, this is part of when they made Batman scary again. After the 66 series, when he was sort of a campy, sort of childish figure, it was – Danny O'Neill and a succession of artists, but mainly um, Neil Adams, who went, No, no, we're going to make him the Dark Knight again, and we're going to make him scary, and we're going to make the villains more of a threat, and we're going to make it more of a, a crime focused series. So, yeah, that, that was a real big influence on me, and that's sort of how I appreciate Batman. So, my, my Batman is kind of the darker. Batman, if that makes sense. certainly,
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So, in terms of the TV shows and the movies, so Adam West, when you're thinking about Batman as a moving, like, animated person, it's generally him that you're thinking
2: of? Yeah, yeah, generally. I mean, Adam West is, um, really owns that role, doesn't he? Like... People who take Batman too seriously, as <laughs> yeah. I have been known to do.
1: <laughs> You're not tend, rowing that boat alone. Yes.
2: Tend to get really upset when you Sorry, point out. Sorry,
1: comics fans taking things too seriously. I know, right? Yeah, I know.
2: Uh, but they tend to get really upset when you point out that Batman is a children's character. Okay. <laughs> and it doesn't matter how dark it is and it doesn't matter, you know, if he's fighting cannibals or monsters or serial killers or whatever. It doesn't matter if Frank Miller's writing it or Brian Azzarello or, you know, any of your sort of darker, more mature comic book writers like grant morrison it doesn't matter if you know they're trying to make batman begins the dark knight returns you know the the nolan trilogy and make it all real and grounded okay at the end of the day it's it's a dude dressed up as a bat running around fighting crime and there's something inherently camp about that okay and if you ignore that you come across as adolescent so um adam west it doesn't matter if you think of michael keaton as Batman or, or Val Kilmer or, or Affleck or Christian Bale or whatever. At the end of the day, like Adam West is Batman. Okay. And Adam West is the Batman of the 20th century and he, the mark he's left on that character is going to be on it for the rest of the, the rest of time, as long as that character exists. Like, Adam West is going to be a part of that character, whether you like it or not. You're kind of stuck with it, and I think that's wonderful.
1: The question I've always wanted to start asking guests on this show is not so much who their Batman is, but who their Robin is. But the interesting thing with Batman, and this comes to what you were talking about with Denny O'Neill reinventing the character more or less in the mid-'70s, is that he really sort of downplayed the importance of Robin as part of the Batman storyline. And so Robin was always kind of around still until mm. they start murdering him
2: in the mid-80s. Yeah. But don't think they farmed him off to the Teen Titans as well. They just sort of got yeah. him
1: out. <laughs> but yeah, they just get rid of him. So he wasn't really much of a presence. So when Tim Burton's coming along, and everything that happened after the 66 Batman TV show is a rejection of 1966 Batman. Oh, for sure. It's for only sure. really in the last couple of years that people seem to be accepting it as yeah. the great show that it is. And kind of making peace with it. Yeah. yeah. But everything since then has been a rejection of it. And we've never really seen Robin on screen since then well, with we, the exception, of like briefly in the cartoons, oh, well, we had Chris, uh, O'Donnell. Chris O'Donnell, yeah, but
2: come um, on, yeah, yeah, touche, <laughs> touche, <laughs> and uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt, yeah, 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 people don't like Robert, but we're getting uh, we're getting an Australian actor playing Robin soon in the live action Teen Titans uh, TV series, yeah, which uh, is Brenton Thwaites, yeah, yeah, oh, Brenton okay. Thwaites, who has been hit and miss over the years, but I hope he knocks it out of the park. I think that'd be really cool to see, yeah. Uh, Apparently, the important thing with this casting is that he has a very good butt. And apparently Bat that's apparently fine. <laughs> yeah. All right, cool. Um, this is what I'm told. <laughs> Far out. That's incredible. Depending on who's writing Batman or who's directing Batman, you've either got the Batman family or the, or the lone Avenger of the night, okay? Like Gotham, if you take into account all the Batman supporting characters running around from, uh, okay, so you've got Robin, you've got Nightwing, you've got Batgirl, you've got Spoiler, you've got Anarchy, you've got a new guy called The Signal, you've got Huntress, you've got Batwoman, um, and that's just off the top of my head. Uh, who would commit a crime in gotham city okay cuz batman's got like this little army of people helping him out and sometimes that's fun to sort of integrate into the narrative but sometimes you really want you know batman on his own fighting crime you know one man against the, you know the, the dark hordes of the night uh so it's interesting that the films tend to focus on that iteration of the character or that kind of take on the character rather than giving him a big supporting cast
1: which, I mean, I kind of get because the interesting part of a lot of superhero films for, I guess, filmmakers coming to these characters for the first time is the origin story. Mm. So, I mean, I, can, I understand from a thematic standpoint that's where the interesting stuff is with the character. And if you are got to start building out his world into all these supporting characters, that's always much further down the track. And by mm. the time that you reach that, you've already sort of sunk in your franchise by having Joel Schumacher take over. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> pretty much.
0: And I guess they're getting into that now with Justice League sort of getting him some... Some peers. Yeah, but now. now, (laughs) It's not quite the same. I think
2: Batman works really well in the Justice League context. Mm. I like seeing him sort of bounce off other characters. Um, I think that's really cool. But it looks like, uh, you know, Justice League's kind of screwed the pooch, as it were. Um, It's, you know, like Affleck doesn't want to do it anymore. Yeah. And, you know, at some point we're going to get a solo Batman movie again, but it's probably not going to be Affleck and it's probably not going to be in the, the DCEU continuity. So. But Batman's a perennial, you know. Whenever Warner Brothers needs money, they can just bang out a Batman movie. And it's like, oh, you've just made a billion dollars. That's fine. Yeah.
1: At the end of every Batman Land, we like to really talk about the lessons we've taken away from the great man himself, Batman. Fiona, what have you learned this week?
0: Um. Well, what I learned probably doesn't reflect so well on Batman. Um, in that- I
1: refuse to believe.
0: I know, right. Just settle in. Bear with me, though. <laughs> He's he's a hero. Don't get me wrong, but this this small insight into uh, Bruce Wayne slash Batman. We mentioned um, the rapid healing capabilities of the Batcillin, but they're keeping it to themselves. I mean, you know, you could you could have that and just eliminate diseases
1: forever. Well, don't forget last week they just like, they revealed they know how to create diamonds.
2: Well, this is true. Yeah. yeah like pure diamonds as well, like with no artefacts. Yeah. Superman can do that as well, all right? He could just compress coal in his hands and create a diamond. This is the problem with superheroes. They never work on the fundamental issues affecting the world. They're always short stopgap measures. It's always mm-hmm. just punching criminals in the face or rescuing reporters from crashing helicopters, but it's never like creating a bread basket in the, in the deserts of Africa or, you know. Stuff like that. Or, you know, raising the the technology of the, you know, the medical industry.
1: Yeah. Um, There's no caper in that. So (laughs) what's the point? Now, they make no reference to Superman or Metropolis or anything like that within the Batman TV series. But I always do like to believe that it happens in the same world as the Adventures of Superman TV show. And the Green Hornet. Because the Green Hornet pops up in an episode, which is weird. Hasn't happened yet. It's later this season. With Bruce Lee. Actually, technically, sorry, they had been in it because they popped their heads out of a window in an earlier episode this season. (laughs) Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, Travis, are there any major lessons you learned from Batman this week?
2: I learned why Angus burgers are so expensive considering each bull is like $300,000 in like 1966 money. So uh, I don't know how much those cows are worth now because I'm not good at math, but uh, wow, that is something. And
1: think about how much money you could extract from that one cow or bull who has the knowledge of the secret identity of Batman and Robin. Yeah, one knowing Mm -hmm. bull. Unless that's why Alfred had to leave early because he had to
2: murder that bovine. Before Animal Man turned up and learned Batman's secret identity by (laughs) talking to it.
1: One of the big things with Batman from the 66 series is he's always teaching about civility. So I learned quite a few things from Batman about being a good citizen generally. Um, I learned as he told the young shame-loving kid... You're never too old to know the difference between good and evil, which is a generally, I think, a very good lesson that we can all take away. And I also like straight afterwards, Batman advises that they've set another youth onto the road to a, better, a brighter tomorrow. <laughs>
0: Left him wandering around an old abandoned movie set, but never mind.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've set another
0: youth on the road to a brighter tomorrow. Goodbye, Andy.
1: Um, and the other lesson I learned, and maybe the most important thing I'm taking away this week, it makes no difference if you win or lose, it's how you play the game. And frankly, what more important lesson is there to walk away from, from Batman? a lesson that we could take away is what our Twitter handles are. Uh, Fiona yes. Williams, we do that at the end of every week. Where can people find you? If
0: you learn nothing else this week, that's my Twitter handle at anything but TV.
2: Travis, you're on the Twitters, so right? I am. You can find me uh, at celluloidwhiskey.com because I couldn't fit in celluloid and whiskey, which is my personal <laughs> blog. And of course, I'm all over Filming every day, so come and find me there.
1: Briefly Filming. so people
2: may be familiar with it, maybe not. Like, what does Filming do? Filminc is Australia's premier screen culture website. We used to be Australia's premier movie magazine but there's no money in print anymore so come and find us in all the usual social media haunts, come and subscribe to our newsletter come and join Club Inc. so you can get free movie tickets every month, come and read my reviews you can see me bag out terrible films and praise great ones, come and read our interviews uh, we've got a really nice one up with Jessica Chastain at the moment for uh, Molly's, m- game. Molly's Game, boy I'm having a bad day with remembering titles uh, and yeah come and have some fun we'll go and debate films, I'll win but you'll learn something and
1: filminc.com.au. That is it. There we go. Uh, people can find me on Twitter at the Dan Barrett. If you talk about Batman Land on the Twitters or on Facebook, you can use the hashtag BatmanLand. helps people join in a conversation about the show. If you like the podcast, leave a review. helps people find it. So get on your Apple Podcasts or Overcast, whatever your platform of choice is. Leave a review, star at whatever the... Mechanism is give it a go. May you want to listen to us on your Google Home Minis or whatever device you've got at home. Just say you want to listen to the Batman Land podcast because we're right there. So give that a go. And we'll be back next week. Shame Batman Land time. Shame Batman Land channel. Uh, I've got no shame. Yes. Do we need to check levels or anything? It's all good. We're good. I just felt like it, you really hate this Andy guy, man. Okay, hang on, like, okay here we go. Hang on. I, I think that's unfair. Okay. Why do you hate Andy so much? Because he's the worst...